Welcome to the Greyhound Girl podcast with your host, Dimity Ma. Proudly brought to you by Greyhound Performance Products. You can find them on Facebook or visit their website at greyhoundpp.com.au. We hope that you enjoy this episode and thanks to everyone for your support in promoting our wonderful industry. So I have to start with you by talking about your uh, your genius concept Greyhound Gogglebox. <laughs> I've been thinking about it for a few days and I'm like, we could just make something so good of this. Look, it's not everyone's cup of tea. I know that, that not everyone likes, you know, to have a camera sort of shoved in their face while they're watching a race. But um, the first actually, when I was watching you, it reminded me of... Um, well, I called it Christy Cam, Christy Sultana Cam, because wherever she was when Flying Ricardo was racing, somehow they seemed to find her, and her yep. reactions were just priceless. And people love it. Like the one I did of Minnie at Gosford, um, Minnie Finwin in the Gosford Cup, like love people it. just went ballistic over it. And you record every time you watch a race. Where did you come up with that concept that you were going to video yourself for every race? Oh, that's a funny one. We actually had some friends around who they have a little bit of a, a share in a couple of the greyhounds with us, and we were watching the races with them, and we were all going wild. And <laughs> they and they're they're just as passionate as us, uh, Belinda and Jason Jennings. They're just as passionate. They're down in South Australia, but they were up here on holidays, and we're all going wild. And then one of them actually said, I think it might have been Belinda who said to us, "Why don't you video these? These would be amazing." And she's actually a a big social media person. Her business is all in social media and stuff. She's like, these would be amazing. Even if you never shared them, just keep them for yourself. And we started videoing them and we'd watch them back and we'd all have a laugh as a family. And I'd send them on to Rob Andrews, trains a lot of our dogs. I'd send them to Rob and he'd have a good laugh. And then um, I thought, you know what? Yeah, in this day, like this time at the moment where there's a lot of people that are kind of struggling for a bit of a laugh and a smile and stuff going on with COVID, I thought, I'll just post them out. And since then we've had so many people messaging saying, oh my God, you made my day. I prefer... (laughs) I prefer watching you guys because I already know what's going on in the race. So, yep. yeah, it kind of just started from that. Yeah, nice. I think the best thing about it, you know, people have said to me, oh, you know, um, I wish there was more of them and that. And I said, look, whenever I get to a track, especially if it's a big race, I try and, you know, get people's reactions. And Gosford's perfect because you can actually stand behind the boxes. So that was, that was just yeah. ideal that I, I was in the position I was. But the best thing about it is that you know they're 100% unscripted. Like, you're just oh, getting yeah. that pure emotion. You know, you'd be the same. Like, when I'm watching a race, people go, oh, you were doing this. I'm like, was I? Like, you don't even know what you're doing half the time. It is hilarious. So we always, even one of my wife and my daughter or even the dog, people picked it up and I didn't realise until they um, messaged me the other day and said, oh, my gosh, your dog, your little cavoodle was involved. <laughs> I was like, oh, I didn't even notice. So, yeah, even when we do video them and we know they're videoing, by the time the race starts, we've actually – entirely forgotten the videos even going so yeah it'd be awesome i'd love to see more people doing it and it just shows how much fun the greyhounds are yeah whether they win they lose or or whatever happens where we just love and enjoy watching them go around and as long as they finish safe and sound at the end of the race then that's actually the the best part about it is um just enjoying enjoying watching go around so yeah yep and you know you'll have um you're having a great run at the moment i'm seeing plenty of um plenty of winning and happy reaction videos tell me um tell me so you had it how do you got started in greyhound ownership yeah great question so i've actually been involved in greyhounds in the sense of they've been around me for most of my life my dad i'm not sure if you um know gary ralph or know the name of gary ralph he's um 
he's one of the legends of um, greyhound racing. He had a number of champions, including the 1997 Melbourne Cup winner, Roanoke, oh, who went wow. on, to, on to be a great stud dog. Yep. So he's he was my dad's best mate. And for 30 years, dad would um, build his greyhound farms for him. So they'd move from place to place and he launched the largest trial track um, in Australia up at Mount Tambourine. At one, or at one stage it was anyway. They got the blueprints for Albion Park and copied it over there. Long story short, so I was always surrounded by him and he was a businessman first who just had a massive passion for greyhounds. He got into greyhounds and then it just evolved and he made it a massive success in breeding and sharing and stuff. So that went on for years and I bought a, a couple of greyhounds when I was younger and nothing much and I never really had the money to do it. I've always dreamed of getting back into it and, I've had some success in business. I just, I'm an entrepreneur and I um, run a consulting company. And I thought, you know what? I really want to get into this because my dad's retired. Yeah. And I've always had this dream to make sure that my dad, when he does retire, because he's always been involved in it. And um, on top of that, actually, uh, Gary passed away from uh, brain um, cancer. Uh, about 12 to 18 months ago um, as we've been going through this journey um, which was yeah really sad but um, for him I was like I always want something for dad when he retires to keep him really vibrant and and loving life and all that kind of stuff so that's how I kind of decided you know let's get back into the greyhound so about three years ago I saw a greyhound advertised Zulu Vision was the name Um, Matty Martin actually was the one that advertised it and called him up and and bought and bought it. Actually, turns out that Matty owns one of the litter mates of one of my dogs as well, and we've got this. And we've kind of realised there's a few uh, kind of synchronicities there. It's really interesting. <laughs> I was having a chat to him the other day. It's so weird how that stuff works. Yeah. Yep. And um, I had Zulu Vision, and, and Darren Russell initially took it for us up in Queensland, and he actually said, "Look, yeah, you know, I think this dog's going to be better suited down to northern New South Wales. There's a great guy down there, Robert Robert Andrews." So. We met, um, or we didn't act, didn't actually meet Robbie at the time, but we sent him down and I had a good chat to Rob and he took the dog and it was going well. And we've just grown it out since then and we're now grown up over the last, I think that's been about three years now. Uh, I think in total we've got around 12 dogs racing. We've got six pups at the moment and just slowly, slowly building it out, built a great um, relationship with Rob. We've got a property down at Casino that um, we purchased and, and Rob's in there and trains out of there and, um, yeah, oh, just nice. a... a awesome partnership that's going on there so that's kind of the the real quick summary of the journey that it's been so yep. far yeah yeah nice and what um what's your like you just said you've got um pups and race dogs what's sort of your mm. preference or does it sort of depend what you come across at the time whether you buy a dog that's already racing or um decide to to buy a puppy right now it's definitely pups like i've shifted into that yep. and when i went into it the coolest part for me was or the best part for me was going into it i still knew while I was fresh in the current climate a few years ago of going into the greyhounds, I at least had a little bit of nous around having experienced so much or seen so much of, of what Gary had done over the years and what I wanted to do. I kind of had my plan from the start to get a few racing dogs yep. and then buy a few pups at the same time. That way I could be in the game, have some fun, and I never went out and spent massive money on the dogs. I never expected anything major out of those dogs. Uh, mind you, Zula Vision went on to win. I think she, she won nine or ten races she had a hundred starts for us just a beautiful little money spinner and she was just great fun however the game was always to get the pups and then kind of have that uh i suppose what's what's the word like the the rotation or the cycle start rolling through and now we're at a point where we've got the race dogs a couple of them being um what we've earmarked as potentially future uh brood bitches for us and have our own lines and and then the pups so that was kind of the three-year plan for me um 
going into it. Now, definitely pups. Now I'm a lot more, a lot more wanting the pups. It's hard to get a champion when you're when you're purchasing an already pre-raced dog. People know what's going on unless you've really got the dollars to yeah to throw at it. Yeah, and you know I've had that conversation with a couple of people lately who um you know will just message my page and say oh look you know I'm looking for a dog da 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 and I said listen. With the way, oh, I'm just talking from a New South Wales perspective, I said with the way prize money is now and with the big races on offer, I said you need a lot of coin to get yeah. a decent dog off people because there's just it's too um, enticing, all these good races. So people just don't want to let their good dogs go, and that's fair enough in, you know, breeding and, and et cetera. But to going back to, um, you know, your um, you purchasing puppies and that sort of thing, are you right into the breeding side when you're looking at um, purchasing a pup? I am, I am. I'm big on the breeding. I've because I've continued to follow the greyhounds my whole life, and I've always watched the breeding and things like that. I am, I am pretty, um, pretty focused on what's going on with the breeding. So for me, I'm, if you don't, if you're not going to get something that's really well bred, it's hard to have that expectation as well. Yes. And just over the years, just watch it. Of course, they always throw them. And look, I'm as far as actually being personally involved in it. You know, it's only a really fresh journey for me, but having seen over the years and, and learned from Gary and, and, and all those kind of things, it's definitely one of those things that I think if you're going to get into the pups, you want to make sure you're getting into to really, really well-bred pups or potentially well-bred pups as well because you, there's still always questions, right? Yeah. You just never know. Yeah. yeah. What, are, um, what are some of the key things, you know, if, if you come across a, an advertisement or something or you see – a potential mm, what um what are some of the key things you look for on the bloodlines because look you know people you know they love their greyhound data test matings and all those sorts of things and honestly yep. i get confused half the time i go my best advice for anyone i know it's hard sometimes especially when they have their first litter but i said look maybe try and get one that's had maybe one litter or two litters that's just my personal preference because i like to have a bit of a reference point on how the first couple of litters have gone and what seems to have worked. Um, yeah. But, you know, from your perspective, do you um, do you sort of divulge deep into that side of it? More so, actually, it's interesting you say that because I do look in the sense of, um, of looking back through their bloodlines and things like that. I'm actually even bigger on seeing, like, because I'm, I'm a business guy, I, I think in numbers. So yeah. I like to look back at either the bloodlines and the litters that they've gone in. So as an example, if you go back through, let's say you, you, you're buying off a brood bitch and she comes from a litter of five or six dogs that were really exceptionally good and then you go back again and there was a, another handful of dogs that were really good, that's the litters that I love yeah. because I actually see that there's continually really good numbers coming out of quality dogs. Yeah. Versing, if you go back to the previous litter, and maybe the brood bitch was a standout and the rest of the dogs were no good. Yep. And then you go back again and you go, well, the rest of the, the the others in the litter of the next litter weren't very good. Then I kind of get a little bit nervous about that. Yep. So even when I bought, so um, our potentially and hopefully future um, brood bitch is a dog called Miss Integrity. Yep. And I managed to um, purchase her. She'd just broken in. She'd only been broken in over the 300 metres and um, – uh, Darren, uh, I can never pronounce his last name either. Um, he has poked the bear, had poked the bear and rebellious. Oh, Pulio, Darren Pulio. Pulio, Pulio, yep. Pulio. Sorry, sorry, Darren. <laughs> sorry. So I ended up, um, Darren, Darren had them and um, a good mate of mine, um, Cooter. So you've had yep. him on the podcast before. Yep. He actually, he actually um, helped us, helped us organise it, which was unbelievable. He actually contacted me and said, "Hey, mate, look, I know this dog's available." But looking and when I got her, one of the biggest things that I, I loved about her was 
While her mum wasn't a superstar as such, she was good. Uh, she only ended up having 17 career starts. But the rest of the litter were phenomenal. You had Poke the Bear, out of range, fully loaded. The mum also produced Hooked on Scotch. So you kind of, when I was looking, I'm like, there's a real abundance of good dogs in this line. Yep. So that to me is when it's when it's with the breeding, that's what I like to see. I like to see that there's actually numbers of quality dogs, not just a superstar you know, you think, oh, well, they might produce some great pictures. And, of course, you know, it can, it's got to start somewhere too, right? Yeah. But for me personally, that's my preference. Yeah. No, that's um, that's a really good point that um, I try and reiterate with people. I say, look, because um, sometimes you'll see one star dog of the litter and it could be, you know, a multiple group one superstar and then the rest of the litter were only average or below average, average. and you go yep. oh but they and they go oh but it produced this one i said yeah but say it produced one good one out of ten i said they're not great odds in dog racing that's right. you know what i mean and, and but, that one has to still get to the track yes that's right but it's a good point what you say and people go oh you know it's related to such and such out of the same litter but they only raced a couple of times i'm like yeah but there could be a reason why they only raced a couple of times i said but you got to remember the the bloodlines are still there um, they've Absolutely. got the same bloodlines as you know the the six or seven good other good dogs in the litter that it produced. So that's why I say to people, look, don't don't rush into things. Like I know sometimes it's hard because good dogs get you know pups get snapped up real quick. But absolutely, they do. Yeah. I um I like to say to people, oh um fast track. I like to use fast track. I'm not sure if yep. if you um yeah, yeah. do something similar, but I go through and look at the recent matings, and then you can just keep an eye on them because then you've got a couple of months till they're born and then another three months or 12 weeks or whatever it is till you can possibly buy them. So I said that gives you plenty of time to do your research and then you can Absolutely. maybe register your interest with the breeder. So I think, you know, and that's what the good owners all have in common. You know, I've spoken to Darren Pulio and Ray Border and that, you know, they know, you know, excuse the language, they know their shit and they do their research okay. and that's why they're successful. So, um, you know, and you're, you add to that list as well. So I think that's a really good point. Um, for people out there, what um, you know, obviously you guys are having a great run at the moment. What um, what's the you know, what's the plan for you? Do you want to yeah. go into training one day, or are you happy just being a a, a successful oh, owner? <laughs> no, I'm happy being a successful owner, and uh, you know what, I see the work and the, the time and the energy that. So most of my dogs, um, I have um, eleven of my racing dogs currently racing, um, are with Robert Andrews, and one is with Shane Staples. And Rob and I have just formed such a great relationship in, um, as I was saying to you, yeah, it was actually we're closing in on 12 months now. He, um, he had some challenges with the property he was, he was, um, training the dogs from and we partnered up and I was like, look, let's, let's just buy a property. So we yep. bought a property and he lives there and has, you know, helped build it out and obviously does all the training and stuff like that. So, yep. um, working with him and obviously just increasing the quality is our first step, just continually just getting that kennel to a level where it's all you know top level dogs and, and that kind of stuff and then i suppose um branching out from there and getting into the breeding and uh, yeah to this stage as i was saying before the cycles kind of kicked in where we're not too far away from our own bitches now producing and having our own brew bitches and then then rolling through there and um obviously selling some of them and, and moving into it that way so that's kind of increased the quality then we'll go back to increasing the quantity and, and worry about it there so no no interest in training <laughs> You love um, me. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I, you know what? I just totally any trainer out there, I just totally respect the job they do. I mean, it's early mornings, it's late nights, it's it's twenty four seven, and yeah, you know, they don't get a lot of time to have holidays and stuff like that. And um, 
yeah, Rob just does a phenomenal job for me. And uh, I mean, not just for me, he's got a couple other guys that he trains for. Just really, really appreciate appreciate them giving us the opportunity to um, to have the dogs racing through them. Would you um, would you like to expand sort of, um, you know, interstate and send some dogs, you know, to different trainers in different states eventually? Yeah, eventually, yeah, eventually. I mean, there's no limit, I suppose. You, you can never put a limit on how far you want to think. I, I look at guys like Darren and, um, and Ray and, you know, what they've got going now is just phenomenal and it, it's kind of exciting to think that that's, that's where it's at without trying to get too far ahead of myself. But, yeah, absolutely would love to and I – Probably even a bigger passion of mine, and the reason I'd want to do that is I've started getting some of our friends involved from a syndication point of view. Yep. So each of the dogs we keep, um, I always keep at least a 50% of that dog. Yep. Some of them I keep 100% of, depending if I, I look at them and go, hey, that's a future brew bitch or whatever it is, because I don't want to have the complications there. Yep. But probably more so for the reason I'd love to do it is just to get more people involved in the game and see how much fun it really is and we've got some people that have never even looked at the greyhounds been to the greyhounds that are now bought you know five percent shares or or things like that and they're they're hooked so that's probably a bigger passion of mine is really just growing the the name of the greyhound racing industry and and what greyhound racing is and and giving people there so yeah a long kind of that was a long-winded answer no no that's all right (laughs) that would be the biggest reason is for having people that actually are living like i said um Two of our best friends that um, are kind of behind, I suppose, um, the the videos or the way that we're doing the videos, uh, Belinda <laughs> and Jason, they're in South Australia. So yep. the only time they get to see the dogs is when they come up here. So that would probably be the biggest reason I'd love to do that. Yeah, nice. And, I mean, there's just so many reasons to get involved now. Like, you know, prize money's going up, you know, and, you know, again, just talking from New South Wales' perspective, the welfare practices have improved oh, out brilliant. of sight. Um, you know, like, and you look at the quality of stud dogs out there now, like I'd hate, like I'm going to be in a position, you know, in 12, 18 months time where I'm going to have to pick a sire and I'm thinking, my God, my head's just going to explode because there's just so many good ones. You go, oh, how do I choose? Like, it's just, do you have, um, you know, do you have a a preference for, you know, I know it all depends on the the brew bitch and that sort of thing, but sort of everyone has, you know, maybe one or two favourite sires that they like to follow. Do you have any at the moment? No, well, one of the things I I learned um, very, very quickly from from being around Gary when he used to kind of look at his breeding and stuff like that, and maybe that's the mould I'm in, is really having a look at what your bitch that you're putting to. Of course, you know, Definitely have a chat to the like for me. I'll be having a chat to um, the guys that are really, really deep into, um, yeah, David Brash. Obviously, yeah. um, I'll reach out and connect up with him and and any of the other guys that are deep into the the bloodlines. But more so is around the attributes. Yes. You know, depending on what your bitch has and what you need and what you need to get into that bitch versing versing anything else. And that's kind of and again, you know, not being an expert breeder or anything yet. That's where we're heading into it more in my thinking as I'm moving forward. It was something that I saw Gary do so successfully um, so many times over and over again where it wasn't necessarily about what would be the perfect match on paper. It was, hey, looking at the attributes of the stud dog. If yeah. you've got a bitch that's you know, extremely strong but she's a little bit slow, you know, do you do you want to get that little bit of speed into her or whatever, whatever those different little things are? Yeah. The other one that I do, I am big on though, is uh, dogs that really do chase hard. Yep. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, um, 
you know, applauds to Greyhound Data for, I think it's been up for a little while now. Um, I noticed it probably about 18 months, two years ago now, but down the bottom of, so they've got side pages for every, oh, I yes. presume every active side. Down the bottom, they've got a little table now with, um, you know, temperament and how did they start, how did they finish. And, you know, for someone who may be fairly new to the breeding game or maybe just wants to know a little bit more about the size, that, um, you know, even just those four or five key points um is so handy because like for me personally we bred with a bitch who was extremely shy um and a bit reserved and didn't like running with other dogs so we had to find a sire who you know was just you know chased through a brick wall didn't care about other dogs you know had that just that laser focus and you know those sorts of things like you said can be paramount in helping you um you know get what you want out of your litter Absolutely. The other the other thing that I, I always think, and I hear you say it all the time on your podcast, and I absolutely love it, is also ask the people that have been around. And you know, in the few years that I've been right back into it and, and really going hard, I've just I hit everyone up. They probably they probably see me coming and like, oh, how many questions is is Al going to ask? Oh, but I'm, I'm sure I'm, through business, people are the same the with me. Do don't worry. They go, oh, here comes here comes that groupie. Here she comes. Yeah, yep. what's she, she going to ask? She'll probably want another <laughs> selfie. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I'll tell you one of the, the other things that um, that really has stuck with me that I've learned from, so Charlie Northfield, who would be you know, the most uh, prominent um, breeder of greyhounds on the Northern River, yeah. is uh, just, a, just a beautiful, beautiful guy um, in so many ways, and they're always producing great litters. One of the things that has stuck with me when I was talking to him, we went away for a couple of days um, to um, the Moree Carnival, and I was hitting him up with all sorts of breeding questions. And the comment he made to me was, Al, you've always got to remember that dogs don't get slower, they get faster. So if you wanted to breed, so for him it's like, well, if you wanted to breed out of Fernando Bale or if you wanted to breed out of another a dog that's a little bit older, yep. what you're looking then for is their sons. Yep. Their sons that have similar traits because that they are continually getting faster and faster and faster. Yep. So, you know, one of the... I, I think as I move forward, that's definitely something I'm going to keep in mind as well is is always thinking to yourself, well, yeah, yeah, you might not be able to, for some people, afford uh, being able to go to certain stud dogs, but they also have sons that are flying machines and, and you've got that line through there as well. So it's not like you have to be hell-bent on one particular dog either. Yep. Now, um, <laughs> I've sort of made it a thing that I'm going to ask guests this year or probably in the early parts this year. Have you got a bold prediction for this year? Feel free a to bold, go as left field as you like. <laughs> a bold prediction for this year, as in any kind of prediction in the Anything, industry. Go for it. You know how oh, how well, unpredictable this industry is. I'm happy yep. for you just to throw anything out there. <laughs> oh wow! Okay, cool. Um, bold prediction this year. I would love to see um, a dog. I don't know whether it's going to happen this year, but I think it'll happen in the next couple of years that a dog will earn more than two million. Yeah, nice. I think nice. we'll have a dog that will hit the multiple, and we'll be able to say it's. Well, I suppose it's multiple, it's a couple, but I think um, I think in the next couple of years we're definitely going to yeah. see a dog earn the two million, and it's hard, it's hard not to see that because you have a look at it. You've got the million dollar chase. It wouldn't surprise me if the innovation that's being involved, and I mean that's that's one of my other passions is down the track to be looking to to get heavily involved in that end of it from the business point of view with a at a higher level as well is. Um, You've got the, the Phoenix's 750. 
Yeah. You've got the million dollar challenge is a million dollars. Like if you have one dog come out of nowhere, again, you've got like Aston Rupee at the moment and yep. you, you, he didn't necessarily have the right luck in all of those races um, so far, but it's not out of the realms of possibility. He could come out and win the million dollar challenge, come yep. out and win the Phoenix. And next thing you know, he's well and truly over, over two million. So I think we're going to be, we're very, very close to seeing the first two million dollar Greyhound earner, which is yep. which is super super exciting. Yep. Uh, so that'll be that's going to be my my prediction. Yeah, nice. Is um, I think we'll see a two million dollar. If it's not this year though, I think it'll be in the next couple of years for sure. Well, there's two million dollar chases this year, and everyone's like, oh, wouldn't well, it be funny? If, true. Wouldn't it be funny if the same dog won it twice? I'm like, well, it could happen. Especially <laughs> because you're at the same track. You know, the certain dogs they, it's yeah. I mean, look at Peter. He won um, two out of the first yep, three. Hundred percent. So, Definitely not out of the realms of possibility. I love the question too. Love the question. Yep. It's, um, yeah, no, it, it's amazing to think, you know, that in what, say, 29 and a half seconds, someone wins a million dollars and Pete did it twice. And I was talking to him at Gosford. I said, right, are you going to do it again this year? And he's like, oh, I said, listen, we have, we've had this conversation twice before and you're like, no, I won't win it. And you won it twice. So I said, Things come in three, so I'll be back in his dogs if he's got any in it. But I really, I said to someone the other day, I really think this is going to be the year, and particularly given there's two, I think we're going to see an interstate dog crack one this year. Um, yeah. Look, it's been great for New South Wales, you know, go New South Wales, but I really think with um, the calibre of dogs, especially Victoria, and, you know, there's some good dogs in Queensland, there may be some come over from Western Australia, South Australia, I really think this is the year where we might see an interstate trainer. Um, Actually, the, I'll tell you what the other prediction I will go th throw out there. I've got a feeling we're going to see a battler story this year too, yep. which will just boost the greyhound industry at a whole new level where it'll be, I don't know what the story will look like, but it'll be you know just a battler trainer who's been hustling for years, yep. just trying to really you know work their craft yep. that gets a dog that ends up winning the million dollar challenge or the Melbourne Cup or, you know, or finally, and it'll be this massive story of this person who's just been, you know, in, chasing fifth grades and your standard yep. races around a local area. Yep. Love to see that. So, yeah, I'd love to see that. But not not any discredit to any of the other guys that are out there that do a phenomenal job and they're all chasing it. But I just think that story as well yep. would really take um, take greyhounds. Or the greyhound industry needs that kind of story on top of everything else that's going on. And, yeah, it'd be, be kind of special. It's like when you see the Horse Melbourne Cup and you, you know, those stories behind some of those horses that's or the people right. that own them. Rogan, Rogan Josh is a great one. Yeah, those kind of things. I Who think um, that? that'd oh, be awesome to see take, that story. Take over Target, the the taxi cab driver horse. What do you pay fifteen hundred dollars for him or something? And what do you pay yes. five, six million or something ridiculous? Right? And you know, straight away when you said that, I thought um, of Ian Gilders with Billy Creek. You know, it's his only dog in the kennel, and he was in a Phoenix final. Like great example. You know, great example. Um, yeah. Yep. So it. It can happen. I think that's why so many people want to get involved now because they think that's Definitely. just so enticing. You've been listening to the Greyhound Girl Podcasts with Dimity Ma, proudly brought to you by Greyhound Performance Products. You can find them on Facebook or their website, greyhoundpp.com.au.